0: Peace be with you, and welcome to Walk by Faith. Our program is about the book of the apocalypse or the revelation to John. We'll be doing part three in the series. My name is Gordon Peck. I'm the director of evangelization programs for adults at St. Malachi Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. As in all things, let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us your Son to bring your word into our world. Open our hearts that your will might enter into us and motivate us to share what we learn with a world struggling for meaning. Holy Spirit, guide us in this Bible study and lead us to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. The book of the Apocalypse of the Revelation to John, part three, we're gonna look at chapters 12 through 18. So by way of introduction, We have already established that the Apostle John is generally credited as being the author of the Book of Revelation. He was serving as the Bishop of Ephesus. Ephesus was the third or fourth largest city by population in the Roman world around the year 90. Uh, And John was arrested during the reign of the Emperor Domitian and exiled to the island of Patmos, which was a penal colony in the Aegean Sea. And while he was imprisoned on this island, he had the appearance of an angel come to him who invited him to come up here. And it happened on the Lord's Day. And the angel said, come up here and see how we worship in heaven. So the book of Revelation is one of the most difficult books of Scripture to understand. It's written with a lot of hyperbole, a lot of symbolism. And, and it was written that way purposely so that if it fell into Roman hands, it wouldn't reveal anyone's identity or it would not uh, identify people that might be uh, persecuted by the Romans. So the word apocalypse is a Greek word that means unveiling or revealing. But there's much about Revelation that seems very obscure and hidden. So let's begin with chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its head there were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. Now, John pauses in his vision thus far, and he takes the story all the way back to the beginning of human history in order to show God's divine plan. The woman has been interpreted in different ways. Some believe that she represents Eve, the mother of all humanity and of the nation of Israel. Others believe she represents Mary and the mother of the church. In the first instance, the evil one battles against Eve in the garden the evil one being the accuser or satan and the and the failure of eve brings about sin in the world the fall from grace by john's time in 90 AD jerusalem and the nation of israel have been destroyed and dismantled by the romans so in the second instance the huge red dragon or evil one is set upon destroying the new church represented by mary if you go to to genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, you will read about this vision, and and there the accuser is a serpent, a snake. But in the book of Revelation, the accuser is a giant red dragon. So continuing with verse 5, she, meaning the woman, gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne, and the woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God that there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. When the war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels battled against the dragon, and the dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down down with it. So the male child who rules with a rod of iron, well, iron is sturdy, inflexible, is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was caught up to God and the throne in heaven through the resurrection and ascension, while his mother was protected from the evil one through her assumption. When it says that she was protected for 1260 days, I believe it is, that's a, a figurative form of evil persecution, And it it goes back to the time of the Maccabees when the Seleucid or Greek um, tyrants were were persecuting the church. So it means an evil time. Now, John relates this battle in heaven before the time of mankind. He brings that up and he talks about St. Michael, the archangel, driving Lucifer, who was also an angel, and one third of the angels out of heaven and he dashes them down to the earth. These are the stars that are talked about here. The stars are the angels which fell and became demons. So unwilling to serve God, Satan, or the deceiver, begins a reign of terror on earth that is recorded in the historical books of the Old Testament. And we can see that over and over again in all the trials and tribulations of the the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Continuing on now with verse 10, we read, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come. And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So once again, the victory in heaven is declared. In heaven, the victory is assured. On earth, which is stuck in time, not in eternity like heaven, it will take a little longer. But the many martyrs who have triumphed through the ages show the progress of of, uh, the age. Now, the faithful are prepared for this final conflict. They are like the holy virgins who brought extra olive oil for their lamps and entered into the feast. If you'll remember the parable where Jesus talked about the 10 virgins, five wise and, and five unwise, who didn't have enough oil, but the ones who did have the oil were prepared for the end times. Now the lives of all believers could end at any time, and death brought about by persecution is seen here as being the better way, because apostasy, falling away from the faith, leads to eternal damnation. Peter, St. Peter, is a symbol of all who persevere to the end and forsake earthly life for eternal life. And we know Peter was reluctant, Peter was confused, Peter was very human. Uh, but he ultimately, his faith grows, and he perseveres to the very end. John, at the same time, is a symbol for all the faithful who are still on earth at the time when this was written around 90 AD. uh, They are longing for salvation at the ends of their life, and John is a symbol of all those who seek that salvation. Continuing with verse 12, we read, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, for he knows he has but a short time. When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to the earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly to her place in the desert, where far from the serpent she was taken care of for a year, two years, and a half year. So this is, a, this is a reference to the, the assumption of the Blessed uh, Mother. The serpent, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the current. But the earth helped the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed the flood that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. And then the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. And you'll recall Genesis Uh, chapter 3, verse 15, Satan will wage war against the offspring of the woman. So here we have it again. And those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. Satan took his position on the sand of the sea. So the war which broke out in heaven continues as the evil one pursues the woman and her offspring. And the martyrs are the ones who are actually overcome the devil. It seems like they're defeated, but they're not because their faith has saved them. The devil can kill the body, but cannot overcome the faithful soul. So the martyrs are caught up to the Lord in heaven. And the evil one has no firm standing. Talks about him standing on shifting sands. And this contrasts uh, directly with Jesus's homily about building one's house with a firm foundation. Build a house on a foundation of rock, not on shifting sands. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Then I saw a beast. This is John seeing this vision. Then I saw a beast come out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. And on its horns were ten diadems, and on its head blasphemous names. The beast I saw was like a leopard, but it had feet like a bear's, and its mouth was like that of a lion. To it the dragon gave its own power and throne, along with authority. I saw that one of its heads seemed to have been mortally wounded, but this mortal wound was healed. Fascinated, the whole world followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because it gave its authority to the beast. They also worshipped the beast and said, who can compare with the beast or who can fight against it? The beast was given a mouth uttering proud boasts and blasphemies, and it was given authority to act for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling and those who dwell in heaven. It was also allowed to wage war against the holy ones and conquer them. And it was granted authority over every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship it. All whose names were not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life, which belongs to the Lamb who was slain. Whoever has ears ought to hear these words. Anyone destined for captivity goes into captivity." Anyone destined to be slain by the sword shall be slain by the sword. Such is the faithful endurance of the holy ones. So the foolish worship the beast, but not those whose names are written in the book of life. The faithful reader will endure any hardship on their journey. Such is their trust in the Lord. Continuing with verse 11, then I saw another beast come out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb's, but spoke like a dragon. It wielded all the authority of the first beast in its sight and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound had been healed. It performed great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of everyone. And it deceived the inhabitants of the earth with its signs. It was allowed to perform in the sight of the first beast, telling them to make an image for the beast who had been wounded by the sword and revived. It was then permitted to breathe breathe life into the beast's image so that the beast's image could speak and could have anyone who did not worship it put to death. It forced all the people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a stamped image on their right hands or their foreheads so that no one could buy or sell except one who had had the stamped image of the beast's name or the number that stood for its name. Wisdom is needed here. One who understands can calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number that stands for a person. His number is 666. So the dragon is Satan, the source of evil and lies, and the first beast is an antichrist, a deceiver, who will twist and distort truth so that those who are looking for political or military power can dominate others. And the second beast is a false prophet, another deceiver who will be aided in his evil mission by the first beast, the political one, as he deceives the gullible in the church to follow him to hell. So Satan mocks God with this unholy trinity. In Roman times, in the time of John, Satan would have been the unholy God, if you will. And then the first beast would be the emperor Constantius, who was a relative of Constantine, but he had apostatized. He had fallen away from the true faith and he was promoting and helping the Bishop Arius from Alexandria, who was the um, originator of the Arian heresy, which did not believe that that Jesus was God, but that Jesus was simply a, a good man that was inspired by God. So that heresy spread through the Middle East So in Roman times, we can see these three as being uh, the dragon, uh, the beast, and the second beast. Today, we might say there's Satan and maybe the Chinese communist government and then perhaps the official Chinese Catholic Church, which is propped up by the Chinese government. And there's an underground Catholic Church, which is the true Catholic Church in China. So what was the mark of the beast, the 666? Well, in John's time, it was Nero. First, I should say 666 is symbolic in that seven is a number of perfection. So six falls short of it. So six is not perfection. It's not from God. So in John's time, the, uh, the Hebrew people had numbers that they assigned to different letters. And uh, Nero's name would have been 666. What, who is that today? Any evil tyrant in the future. Revelation chapter 14, then I looked and there was the lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven like the sound of rushing water or a loud peal of thunder. And then I, the sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. They were singing what seemed to be a new hymn before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn this hymn except the 144,000 who had been ransomed from the earth. These are they who are not defiled with women. They are virgins, and these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been ransomed as the first fruits of the human race for God and the Lamb. On their lips no deceit has been found. They are unblemished. So Mount Zion along with the temple in Jerusalem, had been destroyed by 90 AD. That, that happened 20 years earlier in 70 AD. So John's vision of Mount Zion is in heaven. And the Lamb's companions are those who have been sealed with the name of the Lord. This 144,000 is the 12 tribes and the 12 times 12, or the 12 times the 12 apostles times a 1,000. It means many, many, many. So there are numerous martyrs from all ages. And then it says in there they are not they these are they who were not defiled with women they are virgins and these are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. Virgin is a term for being faithful to the Lord and the covenant. The the Lord has always had a marriage covenant with His people. So when it says virgins here, it, it means they are faithful to God. They have not broken that covenant. Revelation fourteen, uh, verse six. The Lamb's companions. Then I saw another angel flying overhead, high overhead, with everlasting good news to announce to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, for his time has come to sit in judgment. Worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. A second angel followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, that made all the nations drink the wine of her licentious passion. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, anyone who worships the beast or its image or accepts its mark on forehead or hand will also drink the wine of God's fury, poured full strength into the cup of his wrath, and will be tormented in burning sulfur before the holy angels and before the lamb. The smoke of the fire that torments them will rise forever and ever, and there will be no relief day or night for those who worship the beast or its image or accept the mark of its name. Here is what sustains the holy ones who keeps God's commandment and their faith in Jesus. I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the Spirit, let them find rest from their labors for their works accompany them. So this sounds cruel, it sounds very uh, ominous, but, and it's certainly hyperbole, it's exaggerated speech, because what, it's, what John's doing with this message, as it's read in all the different churches throughout Asia Minor, is that he's warning against apostasy. Apostasy, falling away from the faith, is the worst thing that can happen to somebody not to be killed by uh, some pagan dictator. Continuing with verse 14, Then I looked, and there was a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud, one who looked like a son of man, with a gold crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, crying out in a loud voice to the one sitting on the cloud, Use your sickle and reap the harvest, for the time to reap has come, because the earth's harvest is fully ripe. So the one who was sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven who also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel came from the altar who was in charge of the fire and cried out in a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, "'Use your sharp sickle and cut the clusters from the earth's vines, for its grapes are ripe.' So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and cut the earth's vintage." He threw it into the great winepress of God's fury. The winepress was trodden outside the city and blood poured out of the winepress to the height of a horse's bridle for 200 miles. Then I saw in heaven another sign, great and awe-inspiring, seven angels with seven last plagues, for through them God's fury is accomplished. Then I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, On the sea of glass were standing those who had won the victory over the beast and its image and the number that signified its name. They were holding God's harps, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, or glorify your name? For you alone are holy, All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I had another vision. The temple that is the heavenly tent of testimony opened, and the seven angels with the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were dressed in clean white linen with a gold sash around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven gold bowls, filled with the fury of God who lives forever and ever. And then the temple became so filled with the smoke from God's glory and might that no one could enter it until the seven plagues of the seven angels had been accomplished. So God is mercy and justice. And those who seek mercy through repentance and faith shall receive it. But those who reject the mercy of God will suffer the wrath of his justice. If God ever says to you, do you want mercy or justice, take mercy. Revelation chapter 16. I heard a loud voice speaking from the temple to the seven angels. Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's fury upon the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. Festering and ugly sores broke out on those who had the mark of the beast or worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. The sea turned to blood like that from a corpse. Every living creature living in the sea died. I should mention the land means Israel and the sea means all the other nations. The third angel poured out his blood on the rivers and the springs of water. These also turned to blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just, O Holy One, who are and who were in passing this sentence. For they have shed the blood of the holy ones and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Then I heard the altar cry out, Yes, Lord God Almighty, your judgments are true and just. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. It was given the power to burn people with fire. People were burned by the scorching heat and blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues. But they did not repent or give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. Its kingdom was plunged into darkness, and people bit their tongues in pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores, but they did not repent of their works. The sixth angel emptied his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs Come from the mouth of the dragon, from the mouth of the beast, and from the mouth of the false prophet. These were demonic spirits who performed signs. They went out to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who watches and keeps his clothes ready so that he may not go naked and the people see him exposed. They then assembled the kings in the place that is named Armageddon in Hebrew. So it mentions spirits like frogs. Well, frogs were one of the plagues of Egypt. They were creatures of the night. So they symbolize the coming of darkness, the coming of evil. These demonic uh, spirits are intent on deceiving people and arraying the demonic forces against the people of the world. So those who don't see, who don't repent are are targets for, for these forces. Unfortunately, there's too many that laugh and ignore these uh, warnings and continue in their sins in the book of Revelation and in the world today. And these coming battles that are described, they're not military contests. They're not huge armies against armies, but they're spiritual warfare. And we're in the midst of that right now. Revelation chapter 16, verse 17, the seven bowls. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And then there were lightning flashes, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake. It was such a violent earthquake that there has never been one like it since the human race began on earth. So the seventh is always more significant and it always builds. It builds to a crescendo through these seven bowls. The seventh bowl is flung into the air where the demons are thought to be. So that kind of asks a question, in the air, where the media is, where airwaves are, where broadcasting occurs now? Perhaps. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, for our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. So St. Paul tells us, that this battle is a spiritual warfare and it's going on constantly. The battle is against political power directed by satanic power in its efforts to subvert and misdirect the world away from her creator. Spiritual warfare against abortion, gender confusion, child abuse, discrimination, and other evils we see all around us. Revelation 16 verse 19. The great city was split into three parts, and the Gentile cities fell. But God remembered great Babylon, giving it the cup filled with the wine of his fury and wrath, and every island fled and mountain disappeared. And large hailstones like huge weights came down from the sky on people, and they blasphemed God for the plague of hail because this plague was so severe. Then one of the seven angels who were holding the seven bowls came and said to me, Come here, I will show you the judgment on the great harlot who lives near the many waters. The kings of the earth have had their intercourse with her, and the inhabitants of the earth became drunk on the wine of her idolatry, or her harlotry. Then he carried me away in spirit to a deserted place where I saw a woman seated on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names, with seven heads and ten horns." So God desires his people to be in covenant relationship with him. It's described throughout scriptures as a marriage covenant. Remember the woman at the well that Jesus met, the Samaritan woman, and they talked about marriage, and God was drawing her into the covenantal marriage uh, with himself. So the harlot is one who breaks the vow of marriage. So she she is the uh, one who... Um, is breaking this covenant, and she's a symbol of unfaithfulness and deception in relationships. She contrasts with the Blessed Virgin, who, of course, keeps the covenant. Israel was called to be the chosen ones by God, and they broke the covenant multiple times, most notably perhaps when they said, We have no king but Caesar. They broke the covenant with Moses when they went across uh, the wilderness to the promised land. They broke the covenant. When the Babylonians were coming down upon the city, but most notably, when Jesus was being tried by Pilate and the, the Jews and the priests and the Sanhedrin were all around, and and uh, Caesar excuse me, Pilate tried to uh, say, "You crucify your king," and they said, they replied, "We have no king but Caesar." So here were religious people who went political very much fits into these prophecies of the book of Revelation. So the message of the book is a warning to the new church, this is in the first century, to not despise the gift of faith and become intimate with the harlot or any kind of deception that exists in the world. The woman was wearing purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held in her hand a gold cup that was filled with the abominable and sordid deeds of her harlotry. On her forehead was written a name, which is a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk on the blood of the holy ones and on the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. So the gold cup spoken of here is mocking the chalice of the mass. Satan has never invented anything. He, he always imitates. He always tears down. He's never had an original or constructive thought. When I saw her, I was greatly amazed. The angel said to me, why are you amazed? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast you saw existed once, but now exists no longer. It will come up from the abyss and is headed for destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, shall be amazed when they see the beast because it existed once, but exists no longer, and yet it will come again. So the angel explains that the, the mystery of the harlot and the beast. The harlot can return at any time through repentance if she so chooses. The harlot is the fallen away people of the earth. But the Lord is merciful and they can always repent and return. The beast is described as existing once, then not existing, then coming again. So the beast parodies Christ in his salvific work of ministry, crucifixion, and resurrection. And the people of the earth who have not had their names written in the book of life, they'll be taken in by this deception. Their evil works will be present in all governments, in all walks of life, and even in the church. So the beast and the harlot. Here is a clue for one who has wisdom. The seven heads represent seven hills upon which the woman sits. They also represent seven kings. Five have already fallen, one still lives, and the last has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain only a short while. The beast that existed once but exists no longer is an eighth king, but really belongs to the seven and is headed for destruction. So the harlot represents the people who are deceived, both in and outside of the church, by false prophets. And they will continue to chase after the beast through all ages, but the harlot still belongs to the Lord. The 10 horns that you saw represent 10 Kings who have not yet been crowned. They will receive royal authority along with the beast for one hour. They are of one mind and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will fight with the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them for he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. So not in a military battle, but in spiritual warfare, the lamb will conquer those who scoff at and mock the word of the Lord. And then he said to me, the waters that you saw where the harlot lives represented large numbers of people, nations, and tongues. The 10 horns that you saw and the beast will hate the harlot. They will leave her desolate and naked. They will eat her flesh and consume her with fire. For God has put it into their minds to carry out his purpose and to make them come to an agreement to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are accomplished. The woman whom you saw represents the great city that has sovereignty over the kings of the earth. So those who are martyred are the faithful, who, like the Lord, accept their fate at the hands of wicked individuals. The Lord spoke, stood meekly before Pilate. And like Jesus, they will triumph in accepting their cross, These tribulations are endured by everyone, saint, sinner alike. So this notion of a rapture is escapism. It's not described here in the book of Revelation. It's not part of the fulfillment of the divine plan. So in Israel, at the time of the incarnation, the nation was divided into various groups. There were Sadducees, Pharisees, Zealots, and Essenes. And they acted in political context, and they cried out, we have no king except Caesar. So they They followed the beast. Israel, the bride of God, crucified her own husband. Today, we have Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestant churches, 30,000 sects. So, we have division. And our government makes laws repealing any rights for the unborn, and perhaps in the near future, it will limit the lifespan of the elderly. Revelation chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth became illuminated with by his splendor. He cried out in a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a haunt for demons. She is a cage for every unclean spirit, a cage for every unclean bird, a cage for every unclean and disgusting beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her licentious passion. The kings of the earth had intercourse with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her drive for luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Depart from her, my people, so as not to take part in her sins and receive a share in her plagues. For her sins are piled up to the sky, and God remembers her crimes. Pay her back as she has paid others. Pay her back double for her deeds. Into her cup pour double what she poured. So chapter 18 celebrates the fall of Satan. Judgment comes in verses 1 through 5, and the destruction of Satan's city is in verses 6 to 8. <clears throat> so God tells the faithful to depart from the city, and he, and he tells the patriarchs to depart from evil in every age. He tells us to do the same. He told Abraham to, to depart from Haran. He told Lot to depart, depart from Sodom. He told Moses to depart from Egypt, and he told Jeremiah to depart from Jerusalem. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Jesus told the the Father these words about his apostles in John chapter 17. Now in Revelation 18, verse 7, we read, To the measure of her boasting and wantonness, repay her in torment and grief. For she said to herself, I sit enthroned as queen. I am no widow, and I will never know grief. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, pestilence, grief, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who had intercourse with her in their wantonness will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke of her pyre. They will keep their distance for fear of the torment inflicted on her, and they will say, Alas, alas, great city Babylon, mighty city, in one hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her because there will be no more markets for their cargo, their cargo of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, and scarlet cloth, fragrant wood of every kind, all articles of ivory and all articles of the most expensive wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, and wheat, cattle and sheep, Horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human beings. The fruit you craved has left you. All your luxury and splendor are gone. Never again will one find them. The merchants who deal in these goods, who grew rich from her, will keep their distance for fear of the torment inflicted on her. Weeping and mourning, they cry out, Alas, alas, great city, wearing fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned in gold, precious stones and pearls. So materialism, and especially corruption in business, will be called out for its distortion of what is truly important in life. And the purple and scarlet that's mentioned that the harlot was wearing, this was reserved for the priests. So this was a corruption as well. So there will be lamentation for those with the mark of the beast, or rejoicing for those whose names are written in the book of life. So the sudden and complete ruin of Babylon in verses 21 to 24 recalls Ezekiel chapter 23 regarding the two harlots, Ohola and Aholabah. And they shall inflict on you the penalty of your depravity and you shall pay for your sins of idolatry. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So John borrows extensively from the words of the prophets for this chapter's visions. And continuing on, then he says... In one hour, this great wealth has been ruined. Every captain of a ship, every traveler at sea, sailors and seafaring merchants stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her pyre. What city could compare with the great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and mourning. Alas, alas, great city, into, in which all who had ships at sea grew rich from her wealth. In one hour, she has been ruined. Rejoice over her, heaven, you holy ones, apostles and prophets, for God has judged your case against her. A mighty angel picked up a stone like a huge millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such force will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down and will never be found again. So now the tribulation is ended. The victory of the lambs achieved For all those who have fallen asleep in the Lord, that is the martyrs, and those whose names are written in the book of life. So this long suffering has come to an end. No melodies of harpists and musicians, flutists and trumpeters will ever be heard in you again. No craftsman in any trade will ever be found in you again. No sound of the millstone will ever be heard in you again. No light from a lamp will ever be seen in you again. No voice no voices of bride and groom will ever be heard in you again because your merchants were the great ones of the world all nations were led astray by your magic potion and her was found the blood of prophets and holy ones and all who had been slain on the earth so what did we understand from this session we we uh, in summary we could say that John looked up to see a vision of the Ark of the Covenant, and he sees a woman. And the woman represents Israel and all the prophets of the Old Testament, and the woman also represents the new church, and that is Mary and the faithful on earth. The dragon is Satan, and he attempts to destroy the woman and her child, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, but Satan is powerless against the Lord. The beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet join the dragon As an unholy trinity the deceiver mimics god and the beast deceives the harlot those who apostatize in their faith and they follow his evil ways to their own destruction and babylon the symbolic city of evil is doomed and soon disappears but the struggle is not quite over the book of revelation is not quite complete so thank you for listening let us close in prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Peace be with you. Thanks for listening.